Welcome to the Happy Homestead Podcast. I'm thankful that you found your way here. You're in the right place if you're looking for meaningful conversation that's raw, that's genuine, and that is centered around Christ. There may also be some conversation sprinkled in about coffee, chickens, day-to-day life that tends to be a bit messy, and also some things about the Enneagram. I hope that you can snuggle up with me with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and that we can dive in together and that this becomes a safe, relaxing place of rest for you. Thank you for joining me. My name is Elizabeth and I'm excited for this journey. Blessings. The title of this is called At Peace by Trusting in Him. Oh, cool. I'm also not used to that either, having a slideshow. Um, so go ahead and flip to Judges chapter 6. <clears throat> We're going to read the first 24 verses. Kind of long. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. When the Israelites planted their crops, martyrs from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to the starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, 
Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. He answered, I will stay here until you return. Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat and with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. Then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand. And fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It is all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid, you will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in Ophrah in the land of clan of Abizer to this day. So I read all, like, I could have stopped before he went and cooked the goat. Um, but I wanted us to read all the way down to where he was like, I need you to prove it to me that you are who you say you are. And the part where he built the altar and he said that God was the God of peace. So as Christians, we oftentimes long to believe, um, that God is who he says he is. We want to believe but we allow our minds to be overcome by fear and by doubt. And then when fear and doubt begin to burrow into our minds, we are allowing a very dangerous seed to take root. Different things happen and that root begins to sprout and then it from, goes from a sprout to, you know, a sapling and from a sapling to a full-grown tree if we let it. So Gideon's story is one that we can easily apply to today's day and age. He felt as though the Lord had abandoned him and his people. Likewise, if we apply that to today's setting, we can say the same thing. Our world seems very spiritually dark, the, the, where we live and everything that's going on in the world. But... We can learn many things from Gideon's story, and there are some points that I want us to focus on. So the first point is that God is still actively battling for us in the midst of dark times. Even if the cause of the battle is due to our sin, God is still gracious to us. And so <clears throat> I um, earlier I was at this coffee shop in Eldon, and I was like, Sitting in there, having a latte, I was praying. This is the part where I said I'll get off track talking about coffee. Uh, <laughs> but I was sitting there, I was talking to the Lord, I was praying, and 
whenever I left, um, I put my Christian playlist on shuffle. Um, and I can't remember the name of the song, but the one that says amen over and over. I can't remember. The one we sang tonight. He'll um, find the name of it. Anyways, it came on whenever I left. And I was just thanking God for that song. And in the song it says, May the Lord, may His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Um, and basically that He'll find favor in your children and your children's children for generations. You want me to play it? No. <laughs> maybe, maybe at the end. No, that, that is in the, the very first part is where it says that, yeah. Yeah. And so... It played when we got here tonight, and so I was just like, wow, like, thank you, God, for being so gracious. And my second point, we'll get back onto that gracious graciousness later, but my second point is that God uses weak people to accomplish his will and his plan. And then my third point, despite our weakness, fear, and doubt, if we trust the Lord, he will bring us through. He is merciful. So, if you read the story of Gideon, it doesn't take long to figure out that the reason his people went through seven years of suffering was due to their own sin. That's like in the very first verse that we read. But, praise God that the God that we serve doesn't just discipline those that he loves, but that he is gracious and he is merciful. So, the Israelites were brought out of uh, slavery in Egypt. They were rescued from oppression. They were given the promised land. But as generations passed, they began to forget all that the Lord had brought them through and what he had done for them. The Israelites began to serve the gods that were worshipped in the land of which they lived, even though God told them not to. And if you go back and you start at Judges in the very beginning, in the second chapter, excuse me, in the second chapter, the Lord tells the Israelites that they were to destroy the altars of the other gods living in the land. But that since they didn't obey, the evil people living in their lands would no longer be driven out by him. He allowed for them to stay, to be thorns in their sides. I encourage you to go back and read it. It's there. Judges chapter 2. So the fact that these were the same group of people who doubted the Lord time and time again, who rebelled against the Lord repeatedly, and that God continued to give them grace repeatedly, speaks volumes about who God is. Each time Israel cried out to God, though, I, I wanted to note this, every time that they fell away from him and they went back to their sin, every time they cried out to God for help, the, the Lord, God, he sent out judges to rescue them. Every single time. So Gideon believed the lie that God had abandoned him and that God had abandoned his people. Gideon was not a warrior. He was threshing wheat when the angel of the Lord came to him. 
he would have been considered like the low, the weak of the weak, like the farmer. Like he was probably lower than the farmer because he was hiding in the wine press from the Midianites because he was in fear of his life. He didn't even want to get caught threshing this wheat. So when the angel of the Lord tells Gideon to go and that he will deliver Israel yet again, Gideon could not get past his own incompetence. Instead of just believing and trusting in the Lord and on the Lord's strength and power, he focuses on his own inability to help his people. So Gideon allowed the doubt. He allowed the fear to come in. Gideon wanted to believe that God had not left them and that God would deliver his people yet again. He even says that. In the scripture that we read, he was like, you know, where is the God that my ancestors talked about? Where are these miracles? Where, where's all this stuff? That implies he wanted to believe in it, right? But he can't get out of his own way. God wanted to use Gideon to work through, to fulfill what he had already set in motion. So I want us to just think for a second, apply that to real life. So when God tells you that he's going to answer your prayers, but that he needs action on your end for his plan to be accomplished, do you start to backpedal all of a sudden? Like, okay, God, I know I prayed for that, but uh, I didn't realize I was going to have to do anything, so I'm just going to retract that. That's what we do. I do, anyways. And we begin to tell God how incapable we are, how inadequate we are. We don't step out in faith, and we don't go to action, just like Gideon. So... Gideon literally had all kinds of excuses. He's like, my tribe is weak, and I'm like, my family is weak, and I'm like the weakest of the weak of my family that's weak. <laughs> he was like, not only is, is the town where I'm at full of weak people, but I'm the weakest one there. Like, you sure you got the right guy? He wasn't the hero in this story, by the way. It was God through him that was and is and always will be the hero. So I have a little clip, and I didn't send it to you to put on the slideshow, but I have a little clip from commentary that I was reading on the book of Judges. And it says, Maybe you are defeated by some sin that robs you of the fullness of God's blessing in your life. You don't see how God can possibly be at work in your dark situation. Maybe you're depressed because of your circumstances. Maybe you've lost hope for any kind of deliverance. Or perhaps, like Gideon, you're focused on yourself instead of the Lord. You feel as if you're too weak and too insignificant for God to use you. And maybe you're doubtful to God's promises to be with you and to give you victory over the enemy. The solution, trusting in God is the solution for weak people who want to see the Lord work in their dark situation. 
So go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 26 to 29. Um, And this is Paul who writes this much later. (laughs) Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish or weak in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chooses things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and uses them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. And then flip to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I feel like we hear that verse quoted a lot. I feel like we hear everybody say, oh, in our weakness, God's made strong. But I feel like we don't actually take it and apply it to ourselves and to our own life. Because I feel like if you're human, you have felt inadequate, incapable, not enough at some point in your life. So the takeaway from this is we have to trust God. Just as God tells the Israelites, we must repent and turn from our sin we must no longer compromise our relationship with him by serving the gods of this world. And if you go back in Judges and you read from the beginning, you see the erosion of the the faith and the morals of God's people. They started out on fire for God, and generation after generation after generation, it gets a little bit more watered down, a little bit more watered down, and, and you read in there where the Israelites, the, the sons and the daughters of the Israelites are marrying these people that are of the world and that are serving other gods, and they're unequally yoked. Well, what happens when you're unequally yoked? Then your children are, are double-minded, and the erosion continues. And so, especially in our weakness... especially in our weakness. The Lord wants us to trust in Him. And by trusting in Him completely, 
trusting in his will and in his plan. We will serve no other gods but him. We will glorify him in our darkest trials. And we will have peace because peace is who God says he is. And I am so thankful that God does not abandon us nor leave us to drown in our sin. Just like he did to the Israelites. Over and over and over and over, they were unfaithful to him. They worshipped other gods. They, they married unbelievers. They, they raised their children in the world. And then they wondered, how did we get here? God, you must have left us. When in all reality, they allowed for their sin to come in between their relationship with God. He never left them. He allowed for those things to happen that they went through. But every time that they called out to him, he was right there. He was right there. He is gracious and merciful, and he gives us second, third, fourth, fifth chances over and over and over. All he wants is your heart. When he has our hearts, everything else will fall into place. Because when he has our hearts, we will have a desire to worship no other God but the one true God of peace and justice. And so to apply that to modern day times, you know, serving the gods of this world, anything you put before God becomes an idol. So you look at it that way. The gods of our modern day time aren't just Baal and I don't know, all the ones that are listed in the Bible. I don't want to give them any credit, but demonic forces, basically. So anything that captures your attention, and I think that that was actually been spoken on recently, anything that captures your attention and holds your attention over God himself takes preeminence, and that is what becomes your God. But don't be afraid of your own inability. Don't give in to the fear of your inadequacies. Because we all fall short, but the people that are the weakest in the eyes of society are the people that God chooses, the people that God chose to write the Bible, the people that are the the foundation, the, the founding fathers of our faith were nobodies. And that's not coincidence. So trust God and his ability to see you through. It isn't too late, just like the Israelites It wasn't too late for them to let go of those things and to cry out to God. He was there in an instant to rescue them. So it isn't too late to let go of the things of this world and to grab onto the only one who can use our weaknesses to glorify himself. The only one who can give us true peace in a world that is bleak and spiritually dark. Thanks for joining in on uh, today's podcast episode. This episode was recorded live at Jesus's Army Outreach Ministries. It's a home worship center that is 
orchestrated and ran by, directed by my brother and sister-in-law. They are just wonderful individuals who I love dearly and they get together a few times a week in their home and they have extensive Bible studies and we just come together and worship and read God's word and we always have wonderful food and fellowship. If that is something that you're interested in and if you're local, that is held in Osage Beach, Missouri, get with me and I can get you the details on that. I would love for you to be there and I know that they would as well. If anything that you listen to tonight minister to you in any way, as always, I ask that you do share. So not not that it would promote myself, but that it may minister to somebody else because that's the whole mission and the reason why we are here on this earth is to spread the good news, to spread the gospel, to win souls for the kingdom of the Lord. And so I just want to encourage you to share this if it ministered to you. And even if you don't share it, um, as in a physical, like sharing this link of this episode, I ask that you would just take what was ministered to you that touched your heart and share it with somebody in conversation. You never know what you could stir up in somebody's heart and and win them to the Lord. And that's what it's all about. So again, I thank you. And as always, I thank you for your continual support. And I hope that you have a very blessed week. God bless you all.